Struggling to communicate with your co-parent? That's why Peaceful Co-Parenting Messenger was created. It's a communication tool for all co-parents, but especially those who are in high-conflict situations. I always tell co-parents who ask, sign up for Peaceful Co-Parenting Messenger as early as possible in your separation and divorce process, because you never know when you're going to need a more robust communication tool that allows you to set boundaries on the communication you have with your co-parent. Are you getting messages that look like war and peace? It's not a text message. It's the length of a novel. Set the brief chat limitation in the app and keep those messages short and to the point. It's about the kids, right? Keep the focus there. You can also limit the number of messages you receive in a day and other nice a la carte features meant to bring sanity to your life. You deserve that and your kids do too. Peaceful co-parenting messenger in the Apple App Store and soon in the Google Play Store. Go to PeacefulParentApp.com for more information. This week on Peaceful Co-Parenting Podcast. When we get in emotionally reactive states, which just means, you know, we get anxious or angry or fearful or resentful or all those, you know, kinds of things, we really lose a lot of capacity. Like we lose the capacity to make good decisions, to have good judgment, to think clearly, to have compassion. You know, we're just kind of debilitated when we're in these states. So, you know, if we're going to make good decisions, we have to be able to get ourselves out of those states. And that's where mindfulness comes in. You know, mindfulness is a very powerful tool. Welcome to Peaceful Co-Parenting Podcast, where we discuss strategies and tips to improve your co-parenting situation, especially if it's high conflict. I'm Bianca Ballo, co-parent, mother, and entrepreneur, creator of Peaceful Co-Parenting Messenger app, and believer in turning challenging situations into something positive. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Peaceful Co-Parent. I'm really excited about the topic today, which is mindfulness in co-parenting. We have Elisa Jaffe Holleran joining us to talk about her unique approach to being the best co-parent you can be for your kids and for yourself. Mindfulness is a bit of an abstract idea, but Elisa brings specific, concrete techniques for movement toward a calm, centered, peaceful state so you can make good decisions in co-parenting. Elisa, great to see you. How are you doing today? I'm great, Bianca. It's really nice to be here. I appreciate you having me on. What's going on in Illinois? Uh, well, we are really appreciating the good weather. It's gotten a little cloudy today, but um, we had a long stretch of cold. So it's we, you know, the good thing about living in a climate like this is that when it gets warm, everybody's extremely joyful. So <laughs> everyone's in a good mood. We're all in a good mood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nice. So. Let's dive in and tell us more about your personal experience with co-parenting. Yeah, so um, I went through a divorce. It's been quite a few years now, um, more than 20, actually. And um, I had a very difficult co-parenting situation. It was extremely painful, and um, I was anxious and angry and frustrated and resentful and maybe even hateful, I can say. <laughs> um, and I uh, really struggled with how to help myself with the situation. Um, so I really started looking for resources for myself. I mean, I was just frustrated with my co-parent. I felt like he 
was we just weren't communicating, which of course was not a surprise. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny that we think we're going to start communicating once we uh, are divorced. You know, but um, you know, I was just very frustrated and upset a lot of the time, um, and just felt like I couldn't get him to cooperate. I couldn't get him to understand the things that I was concerned about. And I just wasn't getting anywhere with him. I was very frustrated and upset. So I started really looking for resources to help myself. And at some point um, realized that I couldn't change him, you know, which is a big aha moment. <laughs> and how I was really making myself miserable by trying. So I realized that in order to help myself, I needed to do something to change my outlook or um, my attitude toward the situation and the way I reacted to him because I felt like he was, um, you know, really sucking my power, you know, sucking my joy. <laughs> and, and also I felt so disempowered. You know, I felt like he had all the power and I had none. And uh, I was tired of giving, you know, just feeling like uh, he was holding me hostage essentially. Um, so I had already been studying mindfulness and, and I was already a therapist. So I really started using that, um, those things, you know, mindfulness in particular to, um, to really help myself work with my own emotional states and to work with, you know, the grief, the anger, the frustration, the anxiety that, that really is more of a problem than anything else. I also realized that I'm, I'm kind of a hothead, by the way, <laughs> which is, um, it's funny because people who meet me think I'm very calm and, and, you know, somewhat I am, but I also have um, a, a quick trigger. And, um, I realized that when I was getting triggered and I was responding in anger or frustration that I was really not helping myself, you know, so I turned toward mindfulness to really work with myself and, um, and that's what started turning me around and eventually I then created a curriculum and started working with co-parents and teaching a co-parenting curriculum um, to help people use these skills also to help themselves. Yeah. Thank you so much for that background and your experience. You mentioned a couple of things though, the communicating, how you were like, you know, it's no surprise that, we, hey, we didn't communicate when we were married very well. And so here we are co-parenting and and not communicating very well. That makes sense. And then also, you know, you can't change him. Yeah, it's very hard. You know, we want to, you know, these things, I always think of our external world and our internal world. So we want things in our external world to be okay so that we internally feel okay. And, and then we try to change things in the external world when we don't feel okay, like we try to change our co-parent. And often that's just very misguided. And certainly when we're acting out of um, emotional reactivity, which I could say more about, which I think is also really important in my approach, um, we often don't communicate in a way that really helps us. I definitely want to talk more about emotional reactivity for sure. But 
but just tell us a little bit more about your experience in California where you lived for 20 years and you really blossomed with your co-parenting approach and your research. And can you tell us about that? Yeah, so I I actually am from Illinois and I moved to California um, and had to kind of start my career. I, you know, I had already been divorced at that point and my kids were, were mostly grown up at that point also. Um, but I kind of had to start my, you know, I had to create a practice for myself and all that sort of thing. And I, I went to work for an agency and they were, and of course I've been thinking about this co-parenting stuff a lot because I had been through it. And, um, this co-parenting, or I'm sorry, this agency that I worked for, they, taught a co-parenting class and they had a curriculum that they purchased. And um, I taught this class using this, uh, this curriculum. And what I realized using the curriculum was that it really left out all this stuff about how, you know, what emotional beings we are and how to work with emotional states. Cause you can tell people, you know, you could say, well, you need to treat this like a business arrangement and you need to not get hotheaded and you need to not, you know, but if you don't really have the understanding and the skills and the resources to work with your reactions, you're going to get stuck doing, you know, we're very extremely patterned people. I mean, beings, you know, we, we're, we're extremely patterned. So we, if we don't have ways to change those patterns, then we keep doing the same things over and over again, you know? Um, and I really recognize that. So I started developing my own curriculum, you know, I mean, I, I didn't really set out to do that, but I started adding things, to this class that I was teaching. And pretty soon I, out of that came my own curriculum. And then eventually I set up a private practice there in a psychotherapy um, center and started teaching this curriculum. And then um, also wrote a book that's, you know, lined up with the curriculum that I taught. So, and then I, you know, just started interfacing with the court system because often courts will refer people um, for co-parenting classes when they're in high conflict situations. And the courts were very pleased with what they were hearing from the people that were going through my curriculum uh, who felt really hopeful, you know, they, you know, when you give people a way to get out of what they're stuck in, even if it's not the way they thought they were going to get out, (laughs) you know, it just really um, gives people hope. So that's kind of how my, how things evolved when I, um, when I was in California. And then, and then I realized too, that, wow, I'm, I can't really offer this to enough people. So I created an online version of my class then that has been going for quite a long time now. So let's dive into your unique approach. What's special about how you guide co-parents? Yeah. So again, I think that my focus on really looking at the emotions of co-parenting and how that plays into what, how things unfold for us. So the way that I start my program with people that I think is really essential is is helping people understand what they really want and getting very clear about that and setting that as a goal. 
um, and and keeping that goal in front of them all the time. And um, mostly what people want, mostly what co-parents want is they want their children to grow up to be happy and healthy and fulfilled in their lives. But then we have emotions. And when we get caught up in all this stuff with, with co-parenting, um, our emotions take over and often can lead us in directions or take us in directions that actually wind up working against our goals. And we don't realize that, <laughs> you know, we don't realize because really what we want our kids to be happy and healthy. We also want to have really good connected relationships with them. And it's really common. And I'm sure you know this, that um, when the choices that we make, the decisions that we make can actually erode our, our uh, relationships with our children. And um, so then what winds up happening is that we're actually working against what we want <laughs> and what we're hoping to create. So, you know, I think number one, what makes it special is really that strong emphasis on that, that it's it, how important it is to know and to, um, and make a strong decision and commitment <laughs> to stay focused on that. So that's kind of the first component. And then like really being able to realize how our emotions take over and, um, and how we make decisions out of emotionally reactive states. And I, maybe I could say a little about emotionally reactive states here. An emotionally reactive state is just when we're triggered, you know, and we're, we're very lucky to live in a time where there's been a lot of research about the brain you know, and how we react emotionally to things. And so when we get in emotionally reactive states, which just means, you know, we get anxious or angry or fearful or resentful or all those, you know, kinds of things, we, we really lose a lot of capacity. Like we lose the capacity to make good decisions, to have good judgment, to think clearly, to have compassion which actually I think the compassion piece is really um, important because if we can't have compassion, we can't even have compassion for our children, not just for, you know, it's not like we could have compassion for our children and not our ex or something, you know, it's like we lose that capacity period. So, um, you know, we could be screaming at our ex on the phone or something and not having compassion in that moment for what our child is going through, you know, what that means to them with how that's affecting them. You know, we're just kind of debilitated when we're in these states. So, you know, if we're going to make good decisions, we have to be able to get ourselves out of the, the, those states. And that's where mindfulness comes in. You know, mindfulness is a very powerful tool for um, helping us be able to take space, you know, to, um, to calm down enough that we can stop ourselves, hopefully, you know, from doing the things that might, that are, are not going to benefit us or benefit our children. Um, and mindfulness is also important as an aside, you know, it, what is really important to children in terms of their development is for us to be really connected to them. And, um, and 
what that means really is that we need to be present and mindfulness is always is completely about presence it's about just being in the moment kind of being aware of how we're feeling how we're thinking but also to our children or whoever we have happen to be with at that moment. Um, so, so to me, mindfulness is is critical in co-parenting, both from just the straight parenting aspect. You know, that's helpful for every parent. You know, to just learn how to be present, um, but also with co-parenting to get ourselves out of these states that get us into trouble. Can you talk a little bit about what that would look like? Like, how do you get yourself out of those states? Because, you know, it's just, it's hard. Yeah, that's a great question. And, and I, you know, I want to emphasize something you just said, which is, it is really hard to get ourselves out of the state. You know, it's like, you know how people will say like, oh, don't be so anxious or don't be so upset. Like, okay, yeah. You know, as if I enjoy being upset or anxious, like, I, you know, I always say that, you know, emotions are like they come in and just kind of take us over. We don't choose them. They just come. Right. And, and it's a very powerful experience. And it is very difficult, you know, so I say that up front because I, you know, I, I don't want people ever to be mad at themselves for not being able to just, you know, quickly change or make something, you know, be able to, to change the way they react. It's a process that honestly goes on your whole life. You know, I don't think it ever really ends, but you get better and better at it. But anyway, with mindfulness, um, the way it looks is you, you know, mindfulness is practice as, as a meditation, you know, so, um, and to me, there's, so there's mindfulness meditation is one thing, and then just being mindful is another thing. And in my mind, mindfulness meditation is a way of cultivating mindfulness. You know, it's a way of helping yourself be mindful while nothing's going on. You know, you're just sitting and you're kind of in, and mindfulness is really just being a, an observer to your own experience. So you're kind of sitting and, and it's not about being calm. It's not about trying to make yourself calm necessarily. It's really about just watching what's going on from a neutral observer sort of stance. So you're watching yourself. I like to think of it as there's like this little detective or, you know, researcher sitting on your shoulder, who's neutral, you know, not judging your experience, but just saying, oh, anger, oh, anger is here now. Oh, you're thinking this right now, you know, oh. Um, and when you have that part of that neutral part of you that's watching, um, it helps you detach a little from the experience. You know, so, and what you want to do is have the experience, the emotion, not completely take over you. You know, that's, that's what gets us in trouble is it's like, we don't have any control. We're just, you know, we just go. Right. So, um, so when you, so practicing meditation, mindfulness meditation is a way to develop the skill. And then the hope is that it starts generalizing to your life. You know, so that in moments where things um, get really difficult, you can remember like, oh, mindfulness, <laughs> like maybe I, so, and an example of that is in mindfulness, you start with just paying attention to your breath, you know, and you, and then you kind of watch everything else that arises in your, 
in your awareness, but you start with the breath and, and in everyday life, you can do that as well. So in mindfulness, you're, um, you, you, you pay, you bring your attention to your breath. And that's something that you can do in an everyday situation. So let's say you're on the phone with your ex and they say something that, that really triggers you and you're like, <gasps> you know, <laughs> and then, you know, because of, of practicing mindfulness meditation, you might be able to say, oh, okay, you know, I'm going to bring my attention to my breath right now. And that helps you start to be mindful and to be able to step away a little bit from the experience that you're having so that you might be able to make a different choice. Because when you're, when you're completely taken over by emotion, you really can't make any other choices except those that are patterned. So there's a quote that I really love, which I wrote down so I could read it. Um, and it is, between stimulus and response, you know, so like, you know, between like your ex saying something that triggers you and the way you respond, um, there is a space. And in that space lies our freedom and power to choose our response. Um, in our response lies our growth and our happiness. So you know, it's really about developing that being able to take a space so that you can choose to respond differently. And that's what gives us the capacity for growth and happiness. Yeah, that's wonderful. So it starts with the breath. And then you, do you kind of go from there where you're noticing more about your body or like what or your even then your thoughts and Oh, yeah, all of it, you know, the, you're noticing your, your body, your physical sensations. And by the way, emotions really are physical sensations, you feel them in your body, that's how you know, they're there. Um, you're noticing your thoughts. Um, and, and there's all different ways. once you really start learning about mindfulness, there's all different ways that you can kind of play with it. So I mentioned like one thing I like to do is I say, oh, you know, when I get hot-headed and I'm about to blow and say things that are, I'm going to be sorry for a minute later, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll really see myself as being that witness, watching myself having this anger. And I'll say in my mind, not out loud, but I'll say, oh, hello, anger. I see you're here again. I remember you. I've seen you many times before. And then I'll bring my attention to the feeling in my body of the anger and just breathe into it, you know, just so all of the, you know, you said something about awareness being this, the first step and awareness is the first step and an essential step. Because awareness, once you have awareness, you have a lot of capacity to do things differently. And, you know, sometimes the reaction is too strong and you can't get yourself out of it. But I, again, I think it's a, a, um, a process where you slowly learn more and more how to interrupt your own patterns and to make choices that, that are better. So you mentioned the mindfulness meditation. Do you, would you say that that's required or like you should be doing that for sure in order to harness this technique as best as possible? That is such a great question. I think it really helps, but I don't think it's absolutely, absolutely necessary. And, and it doesn't have to be the way 
people might think of it. Like, it's not like you have to have a practice of sitting 30 minutes a morning or something like that. Even a minute of mindfulness practice can be really helpful. Or when you're in the car, you know, bringing your attention to your breath at every red light, or there's a lot of different ways to work at incorporating mindfulness into your life without meditation. I just think it helps. You know, I think it's just a way of really bolstering it, but I wouldn't want that to discourage people from, from learning about it or, or trying to use it. Cause I know that really does. I mean, I think it's committing to a meditation practice. Um, it is, um, it's a big commitment, <laughs> but it doesn't have to be as big as you think, you know, I think really, again, a minute or five minutes is, is enough. And even if you don't at all, I think you can still cultivate mindfulness in your life. Right. You can make it work for your life. And it's a, because sometimes a minute or 60 seconds seems like a long time when you're just beginning. It's totally true. It's totally true. Yeah. And, but every little bit, you know, I'm really also kind of a proponent of slow change. You know, I think like we do, because I really understand and respect, I have a very strong respect for the patterns that we have and, and they change slowly and we want them to change quickly. But, you know, when you're trying to develop like a mindfulness practice or something, I think being compassionate towards yourself and, and doing what you can and taking it slowly to begin with is, is a great approach. So why do you think it's important for parents to really um, get a handle on these emotions? I think we want to be the drivers of our own lives. And I think that emotions can drive us. Now, emotions have a purpose. It's not like they're all bad or, you know, like every emotion, like anger, for instance. Anger can be really problematic if we don't know how to manage it. But the actual, you know, energy of anger, I think, is really important. You know, it because anger is really about justice in my mind, you know, that like there is an injustice being done to me or there's an injustice being done to my child. And, you know, it's this energy that rises up that says no. Right. <laughs> you know, um, and so that's good. And but the problem is where we go with it. And what happens as a result of it. And often that comes and we could, you know, spend three hours talking about this, but, you know, often that comes from experiences that we had in childhood, you know, the difficult experiences we may have had that make us susceptible to certain kinds of triggers, you know, that make us sensitive or more vulnerable to them, you know, and then, you know, once things start going, you know, once the emotion takes over, it's driving us and we're not driving it and, and we're not driving our own lives, Right. you know, and we want to drive our own lives. You know, we want to create, you know, we don't, we want to create the lives that we want and we, and, and for ourselves, but of course for our children, you know, we want to do the best we can for our children. And so if we don't have understanding and control over our uh, over difficult emotional states we really do damage to ourselves and to our children 
For sure. Role models that we're role modeling constantly of, of that control and, and awareness and all of that. And I do think it's so easy to get carried away with your emotions and, and all of a sudden you're not in control anymore. And then, then that's later you're so regretful. So that can be, and again, like you mentioned, it's not re- really helping you reach your goals. So having those at, in the forefront of your mind, helping you to stay on track and what um, is, is great. So, so the process gets easier over time. So the practice gets easier. You start small, you make headway. Right. How can your approach help in co-parenting and also in other relationships? Is this not just for, for co-parenting, but you mentioned also with your own children, but I would imagine it extends even beyond that. Yeah. And it, that's so true. It, it, I feel like the, the curriculum that I teach is, and I've heard this from many people who have gone through my classes, that it applies to every relationship. It just does, you know, parenting for sure. And, and, you know, I remember applying some of these things to parenting before I was divorced, you know, because I, my, one of my sons was more challenging for me and I'd lose my temper and I knew that wasn't a good thing, but I was having trouble controlling it. And, um, you know, so I started working then with mindfulness to, um, to, just work with those emotional states. So, so definitely in parenting, because, you know, kids are triggering. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) They get the, they get the best of us, you know, but then in, you know, work relationships or family, other family relationships, um, these kinds of ways of thinking can really um, be, be very helpful. Um, And one other component Bianca, that I didn't mention that I just I do want to mention, because I think it's important is when we start recognizing these emotional states in ourselves and and having compassion for ourselves, I compassion is a huge part of the equation for me, both self compassion and compassion for others, you know, we, we are doing the best we can, we, we really are, (laughs) you know, and when we're, um, when we start watching the ways that our emotions kind of drive us or take us in directions we don't want to go and start working with them. I think we develop more compassion for ourselves, you know, because we see how powerful these emotional states are and that we're not intentionally setting out to hurt anybody or to make bad decisions or whatever. Um, And then that starts extending um, to our exes even, you know, understand, because one of the things that I really address in, in my class is fear and the way that fear, um, drives a lot, actually fear and grief, but I won't get too much into that right now. But, um, and when we start getting aware of what our fears are, we start actually recognizing that, that our exes are fearful too, you know, and, and, and start having a little more compassion. Like I know that can be hard for people to even hear, you know, when they're in the throes of really difficult times. But I also think that cultivating compassion for our exes, which does not mean giving in or giving up or liking what they're doing or any of that, but at least having an understanding that what they're doing comes from difficult emotions themselves 
it it helps us that also helps us calm down a little bit you know it's it's again not about you know giving up it's just about um, understanding that they're emotional beings as well. I'm really glad that you mentioned that about the compassion for yourself. And then it starts to grow even for other people. The other thing I was really glad you mentioned was about these emotions they're so strong and they can be kind of perceived as negative, like anger. And yet they're not really bad. They're just telling us something about how we feel about whatever's happening. We don't really need it to go away per se, but just for it to be managed better. So I really appreciated you clarifying that as well. You mentioned your classes a little bit. Can you tell me a little bit more about what's available for say anyone listening who might want to learn more? Yes, so I have an online class called Freedom Co-Parenting and it covers all of these topics. It's it's probably about, you know, depending on how quickly you read and listen, it's a combination of videos and readings. Um, it's about six to eight hours of material. And it goes through all of these topics. Um, and it, it's so it's not this class is not virtual. It's just an online class that you go through at your own speed. Um, I offer it both for there's two versions of it basic and and court ordered. So many people are um, ordered, like I said, to take co-parenting classes because of their court situations. Um, so if people take um, are in that situation, they can take the court ordered class and then it's uh, it has quizzes and it has a certificate of completion at the end, or you can take it without that. You know, it's the same material, but um, so either way, just depending on what your situation is. Um, and then also I'm, I'm, I, I used to do in-person classes a lot before COVID and I haven't been doing them, um, but I am offering a virtual workshop that's a six hour workshop um, Saturday, July 30th on mindfulness and co-parenting. So I'm really, really excited about that because people who go through my classes, uh, one of the things I hear the most when I ask people what was helpful is the mindfulness piece. And, you know, even people who never thought of that before and certainly were not taking my class for that reason, really understood how, uh, what a great skill that is to have. Um, I also had, I wrote a book called an unexpected journey, the road to power and wisdom in divorce co-parenting, and that's available as well. Awesome. What will people get out of the book? The book is very similar to the class. It's, it's pretty much, you know, the same material. Um, I often recommend that if people take the class that they um, get the book as well. It's just kind of a, you know, re reviews um, the material that's in the class. The book is also structured like a workbook. So every um, chapter has questions and, and things to think about. Um, and it's, people have told me that, it, that <laughs> co-parents in difficult situations have told me that they keep it on their nightstand and when they're freaking out, they, they pick it up and um, you know just read a chapter. They're very small, easy chapters, very readable. What's the future hold for you? Is there anything you're working on developing in, in the future? Anything that you wanted to share? 
Yeah, I tell you, my mind is always working. So I'm I'm working a lot right now on um, just getting the word out. You know, there are a few uh, counties in California that ought, you know that really um, encourage people to take my classes. And because of the great reviews that I get and the way, you know, I just want people to be happy. So, you know, when I see that people are, are being helped by this material, I want to get the word out. So I'm, I'm working a lot on just getting the word out to different court systems, um, you know, so that people can, so that courts can recommend to people to take this class. Mm-hmm. But I'm also just always thinking more and more about how to offer this material in a way that makes sense, you know, that's really helpful to people. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking about doing a, another edition of my book because I, you know, have had a lot of new insights since then. I also would like to do more Zoom um, going to see how this one goes. And, you know, I'd like to do more of that because I think it's really thrilling, you know, that you can reach so many people that way. Um, And also, like you mentioned earlier, I, you know, I've been in the co-parenting world, which I love. um, And also, I'd like to be able to offer this approach to other people, you know, to people in other kinds of relationships that need that kind of help. So I do a lot of couples work in my um, psychotherapy practice. And um, I've been thinking a lot about how to um, make it more accessible to couples. How about any other resources that you have found to be helpful for some of your students, other than the ones you mentioned? Yeah, well, you know, I do think that there's so much out there now about mindfulness. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like, you know, I feel like I'm getting to be kind of an old lady and, and I've been interested in this stuff for a long time. And when, you know, when I was younger, this was very fringe, like, you know, people, you know, when people talked about mindfulness or these kinds of things, it was like, woo, woo, you know, like that's woo, woo stuff, you know, now it's, it's mainstream, you know, it's everywhere. And it's just thrilling to me to see that. So there are a lot of, um, resources for mindfulness, a lot of great teachers um, that and um, so books about mindfulness, or, you know, like John Kabat-Zinn, there's a lot of different names that are big in mindfulness, John Kabat-Zinn, Jack Hornfield, um, Tara Brock are great um, resources for more about mindfulness. Um, And also there are these apps now that have a gazillion guided meditations like um, Insight Timer and Calm and, you know, so, and I think those things could be, can be really, really helpful. You know, I think our, um, our minds tend to go to, to negative places. There's actually one resource, Rick Hansen is somebody that I think is a wonderful teacher. He talks about the brain and the way we're, we have a negativity bias. And so our brains are more attracted to negative experience than positive experience. Um, and so, you know, all these resources like these guided meditations that just get us out, you know, that just help us get us out of our patterns and, you know, help us help guide us to a different, more, you know, calm or hopeful or positive place, I think can be really, really impactful. How can people get a hold of you? 
Um, well, my website, alisajaffehelleran.com. It's also, you can get there by divorcedcoparenting.com. We'll get you there. Um, and all of my contact information is there. Okay. And lots, and I do a lot of blogging and, um, you know, so, and I love being contacted. So, so please contact me. I try to, I try to answer my phone when it rings, if I'm not working, you know, but, um, yeah, that's how I found you was, was reading one of your blogs. Yeah. Yeah. It's been great speaking with you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. You'll have to let me know how the zoom goes. Yes, I will. Definitely. Let's keep in touch for sure. And I'm going to keep watching or what not watching, listening to your podcast. Thanks so much, Elisa. Thanks for joining us this week on the Peaceful Co-Parenting Podcast. I hope the time was well spent and you got a lot out of the episode. If so, please rate and review the podcast. I would really appreciate it. If you're interested in sending me a feedback message, asking a question, suggesting a podcast topic or guest, or downloading Peaceful Co-Parenting Messenger as a tool for better communication with your co-parent, go to peacefulparentapp.com or see the links in the show notes. Have a great week. And as always, stay peaceful. This episode of Peaceful Co-Parent was brought to you by the Equal Shared Parenting Program. Do you find that you're ever in need of someone to talk to, like a counselor or a therapist? How about legal advice? If you've looked into it, you know these services can add up financially. That's why the Equal Shared Parenting Program exists, to help parents be their healthiest, holistic selves. It's a membership program that offers discounted and free services like behavioral health, free tax prep and advice, and access to financial education and credit counseling, all for the low price of $29.99 a month. Learn more about the Equal Shared Parenting Program by going to equalsharedparentingbenefits.org forward slash PCPM. The PCPM stands for Peaceful Co-Parenting Messenger. That's equalsharedparentingbenefits.org forward slash PCPM.